mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? I know you recognize that line from a fairy tale. Today, we're going to be talking about truth, listening, receiving, and believing what is true, even when the response that you get is not necessarily what you want to hear. Listen and be blessed today. Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Pastor Mike Dixon, your host on the podcast, Casting Down Idols. I hope you're being blessed today. Today is May the 19th, 2020. I recorded an episode yesterday that a few of you may have heard, and the audio uh, was so bad on that episode that I ended up pulling that off of my podcast, and today I'm going to try to re-record that episode. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for your input. I'm thankful for today. Thank God for His goodness upon us. I know we're still dealing with the pandemic that's going on. I encourage you to continue to pray for me, pray for one another, be the hands and feet of Christ, you know, do something nice for somebody. There's a lot of troubled people all around us right now, a lot of needy folk, a lot of people that are struggling with fear and worry and anxiety. Let's do everything we can to help those, especially those who are struggling during these times. I want to thank you for tuning in to the episode today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you are being blessed by this podcast in some way, I want to encourage you to leave me some positive feedback. I'd love to get an email from you. My email address is mylifeaddictionrecovery at gmail.com. It's posted on the description for this episode right there on the podcast host that you're listening to this episode on. Drop me an email if I can pray about something for you. Be glad to do that. If you you've got a suggestion about something you'd like to see us feature on this podcast, please let me know. Uh, let me have your input there. If you listen by way of iTunes, you can actually leave us a five-star rating as well as a positive review, and that will help us reach more people. That will help us gain a larger audience that we might help more people that are struggling. I want to thank everybody who's listening from all over the world. You know, it's an awesome thing about a ministry this way through a podcast that we actually can reach folks all around the earth. Currently, there are over 20 countries that are listed as listeners to this podcast. Isn't that awesome? We've got listeners in over 20 countries around the world. And so I want to give a shout out today, especially to my brothers and sisters down in St. Lucia. I know we've got some listeners there on that Caribbean island. Thank you so much for tuning in. A hello to Pastor Sammy Filbert, who pastors Ambassador Baptist Church right there in St. Lucia. Praying for you guys. I know that you're having a difficult time these days as we continue the pandemic and praying that God's going to supply for you all your needs. I want to give a shout out to the folks in the United Kingdom. Thank you for tuning in. The Netherlands, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Today. Uh, people in South Africa, Ethiopia, Kenya, thank you for tuning in. Hello to our brothers and sisters in Christ living in Russia and Poland, folks in France that are tuning in and listening, Brazil, Mexico, Germany. 
the Philippines, all over the world. These are just a few of the countries that are tuning in and actually listening to these episodes. I want to thank you so much for your time. And I pray that this podcast is an encouragement to you as it ministers to you. You know, even though we've got listeners all around the world, I know the majority of our listeners are from right here in eastern North Carolina. We've got a lot of folks in the Winterville area, Pitt County area, a lot of folks that live in Lenore County and Kinston, North Carolina, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, places that my family have lived as far as ministry and pastorates are concerned. And so I say hello to all our friends and our brothers and sisters all around us. I want to share a business with you today that has blessed me and my family. As many of you know that Melissa and I just recently moved to Winterville, North Carolina, Pitt County, as I have begun my pastorate time at Winterville Baptist Church. And in relocating, we purchased a new house and everything that goes along with that. And you know, if you've ever done that, you know that when you get into a home, there's always so much you want to do, so many projects that you want to accomplish and take care of. One of the first things we wanted to do at our new home is to do something about the landscape especially right around by the sides of the house and the front of the house. I contacted Tucker's Lawn Care. Tucker's Lawn Care. Didn't that sound professional? Didn't you like that? I'll do it one more time. Tucker's Lawn Care. I contacted them to come do some work on our lawn to get things in order. And Mike and Christy Tucker, the owners of this wonderful business, came and just did an outstanding job in just getting the front of our home and the sides of our home in order and just making it look beautiful. They do all kinds of landscaping. If you need somebody to come in and do some lawn work, maybe you've got a problem with your lawn as far as the grass is concerned, they'll come in and help you with that. They certainly do lawn maintenance, weed control in lawns, hedge trimming, landscape restoration, new installation mulch, pine straw, all these things. And a great thing about Mike and Christy, they're a wonderful Christian couple. And if they come in and if you got a task that they don't feel comfortable they can do to top level for you, then they're going to refer you to somebody else. And so I want to encourage you just to reach out to Mike and Christy Tucker. I'm going to give you a phone number. It's 252-341-9968. That's 252-341-9968. You can reach Mike and Christy Tucker at that number, Tucker's Lawn Care. There's an email address, tuckerslc at icloud.com. If you're anywhere near the Winterville area, you live in eastern North Carolina, you got some yard work you want to get done, contact Mike and Christy. Tell them Pastor Mike Dixon sent you, and they'll take good care of you. I know that we've been very pleased with their work and their prices. They're just a wonderful couple. Hope you get to meet them. Well, praise the Lord. I got a wonderful lesson for us today. I'm thankful that we don't have to live chained to our past. We can be set free from yesterday. Amen. You don't have to remain who you are. You certainly don't have to remain who you used to be if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So uh, let me just share a word with you today concerning hope from your past. You don't have to remain chained to yesterday. I'm going to be reading a text from Genesis chapter 50. So if you've got your copy of the word and you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be looking at a wonderful text there concerning an incident that happened in the life of a man named Joseph. Now, I don't know how much about Joseph you may remember from the Bible. I'm not talking about marrying Joseph. I'm not talking about the Joseph who was the earthly father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 lived hundreds of years before Jesus was ever going to be born. This Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 can teach us a great deal about the grace of God, the unconditional love of God, the providence of God, how God's working in our lives many times in ways that excuse me, that we don't understand when difficulties come our way. God's still using those things for our good and for his glory. Now, 
This Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 is the one who had the coat of many colors. And you're saying, oh yeah, now I remember that Dolly Parton song years ago about this Joseph and his coat of many colors. Well, this boy, Joseph, this man, Joseph, grew up in a home with 11 other brothers. His daddy's name was Jacob. Hopefully you recognize that name. The patriarch, the father of the nation of Israel, Jacob, who God renamed Israel, had these 12 sons and these 12 sons went on to start the 12 tribes of Israel, which led to God's chosen people. And it was through the nation of Israel, of course, that the law of God came to us. The Messiah came to us, God's chosen people. And God's not finished with Israel. God still got great plans in store for um, the Israel, the nation of Israel for the Jewish people. But Joseph grew up in Israel's home as one of those 12 sons. Joseph was the second to the youngest son but he was his father's favorite son. And that's why his dad got him this coat of many colors. Now, many times people miss the significance of that. It wasn't just a beautiful coat, but this actually was a coat that somebody would wear who was not expected to do manual labor. And so picture this, if you can, these 12 boys are out working on the farm and maybe they're out in the field, uh, uh, picking the grain or bringing in the harvest or whatever they're doing there on the farm. And they're all working except for Joseph. And these 11 brothers are hard at it, man. And they look up and they see their brother Joseph standing over to the side. And Joseph didn't work. And he's standing there in this brightly colored robe. If you've been one of those 11 brothers, what kind of thoughts would you have had? Well, I know probably what I'd have been thinking. Who does he think he is? Why isn't Job pulling his own weight? When is he going to get in here and help us do some of the work around here? I just don't understand what Joseph, who he thinks he is. Who is he to think that we ought to do all the work and he doesn't have to do any of the work? And so these brothers became very jealous of Joseph, their brother. And to make things worse, God gave Joseph some dreams. And these dreams that Joseph had signified there was coming a day when Joseph's brothers were going to bow down before him. There was coming a day when, when Joseph's own mother and father were going to come and they were going to bow down before him. His whole family was going to worship him. And Joseph shared those dreams, which uh, maybe wasn't the wise thing to do, but he shared those dreams with his family. And when his brothers heard that, even his father, when he heard that, man, they thought that's the craziest thing I ever heard. We're never going to bow down and worship you. And, and that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, as far as these brothers are concerned. They became so jealous of Joseph. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill their own brother. Isn't that something that's really, that's the top of the pinnacle as far as anger and hatred is concerned. They were going to kill their own flesh and blood brother until one of the brothers by the name of Reuben stepped up and he said, let's not kill Joe. Let's not kill him. Let's dig a hole. Let's throw him down in this pit in the ground until we can figure out what to do with him. And so they do that. They put Joseph down in that pit. A band of Midianites passed by. And as they pass by, these brothers have an idea. Let's sell our brother as a slave. Let's sell him as a slave to the Midianites. And so they did that. The Midianites ended up bringing Joseph into Egypt. Joseph ended up on the slave block in an auction to the highest bidder. The one who actually purchased young Joseph was a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was the right-hand man to the king of Egypt, a man of great wealth, a man of great power. Uh, Potiphar recognized in Joseph something special. And so Potiphar put Joseph in charge of all his wealth, all his household. 
everything, all his the rest of his servants and all his wealth and all his possessions. He put Joseph in charge. Even jo though Joseph was a slave, a servant in Potiphar, he was given a place of authority right to begin with. And so it looked like things were turning around for young Joseph. It seemed like uh, things were getting a little better for him until Potiphar's wife began to get the eyes for Joseph. And she was seeking a time that she could try to seduce this young man to have an affair with her. Every time Joseph would say no. And it happened one day that Potiphar was away from the house. He was on a trip somewhere out of town. Potiphar's wife was left alone in the house with the young servant, Joseph. And so she figured now's the time to make my moves on him. And so she actually grabs Joseph and says, come lay with me. And Joseph said, how can I do this great sin? How can I do this great thing and sin against my master, your husband? And most importantly, how can I do this and sin against God? And Joseph just took off running. Well, the problem was Potiphar's wife is left there holding the coat of Joseph. Now, I thought about a song the late Kenny Rogers recorded years ago. It was so popular. And Kenny Rogers was right when he wrote these words. He said, sometimes you got to know when to hold them. Sometimes you got to know when to fold them. Sometimes you got to know when to walk away, and sometimes you got to know when to run. Isn't that true? Sometimes when temptation comes upon you, the best thing you can do is get out of Dodge. Get out of there as fast as you can. Just run from the temptation. That's exactly what Joseph did. Well, Potiphar's wife was so outraged that this young slave, this young man Joseph, would not, would not give in to her seduction. She became so angry that when Potiphar got home, Potiphar's wife began to tell Potiphar, uh, that servant of yours, that slave that you bought by the name of Joseph, he tried to rape me. And in the struggle, I grabbed his coat. She holds up his coat to Potiphar. Well, I don't know if Potiphar believed his wife, but he's between a rock and a hard place. Is he going to believe his slave or is he going to believe his wife? And so the pressure's on. And so he ends up having Joseph thrown into jail. Joseph is thrown into the dungeon for something he's totally innocent of. He didn't try to do anything. He's not guilty of any wrongdoing, and yet he's thrown into jail. So many times uh, we get persecuted, not because we're doing the wrong thing, but because we're doing the right thing. You hearing me? Sometimes troubles come upon us, not because we're outside of the will of God, but because we're dead center in the middle of God, God's will for our lives, doing exactly what God wants us to do. And yet still we're thrown into the dungeon. Still we're thrown into jail. Still we get persecution. Still difficult things happen to us even though we're doing what is right. And so I'm sure Joseph didn't understand at this point what God was up to. And maybe in your life right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, you don't understand it. You know, I know when we talk about recovery and trying to break away from our past and trying to live a new life and trying to regain trust that's been broken and trying to mend those bridges that we've burnt uh, because of our addictive behavior in the past. You know, sometimes it can be so frustrating and sometimes we feel like, you know, will, will it ever be back to where it needs to be? I don't understand why I'm having all this difficulty trying to restore all these relationships and all these things that are broken. My friend, I want you to rest assured, God's still working in the midst of your crisis, in your struggles, in those times that you feel like, man, I'm being persecuted and I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm not the person I used to be. Man, you just keep on keeping on. You put your faith in Christ. Rest assured, God's working in your life. Because sitting right there in that jail, young Joseph is there. and There's other prisoners with him. The Bible tells us that in that prison with Joseph is uh, Pharaoh's chief butler and Pharaoh's chief baker. 
Now, Pharaoh, again, is the king of Egypt. He's the most powerful person in all the land. He's the king. And these two guys, Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker, you know, evidently, and we don't know from scripture why they're in jail, but evidently somebody maybe tried to poison the king. The king couldn't find out, couldn't determine exactly who it was, whether it was the baker or whether it was the butler. And so he just had them both thrown into jail. That's a real possibility that could be taking place here. But what the Bible does tell us <clears throat> is that the baker and the butler are in this jail with Joseph. And they have some dreams. Now, remember, Joseph has had dreams before, and God's given him the interpretation of the dreams. And so when these two guys in prison with Joseph had these dreams, and they were, they're talking to Joseph about it, and they're saying, you know, man, we had these dreams, and we don't know what they mean. And Joseph says, well, I've got the gift of interpreting dreams. I believe I can tell you what your dreams mean. And so if you'll just tell me uh, what, they, what your dreams are, I believe I can tell you what they mean. And so the butler begins to share with Joseph the dream that he had. And Joseph says to the butler, he says, yeah, I know what the interpretation is. God has given me the meaning of your dream. And your dream simply means in three days, you're going to be released from prison. You're going to be restored to your position as Pharaoh's butler. And you're going to be his right hand man again. As far as being his cupbearer, you're going to be restored. You're going to be forgiven in three days. That's going to happen. Well, you know, the butler's hearing this. He's like, wow, man, that sounds great. I sure hope it happens. But the baker's also listening to that interpretation, and the baker had some dreams. And so the baker's thinking, you know, I kind of like the interpretation that Joe gave uh, to the butler. I believe I'll share my dream to Joseph and see what he says my dream means. And so the baker comes to Joseph and says, I've got a dream too. I want you to tell me what my dream means. And so Joseph says, well, tell me your dream. And so the baker begins to tell Joseph his dream. And Joseph interprets the dream of the baker, and it's not good news for him. In fact, Joseph says to the baker, your dream means that you're going to be released too. Pharaoh's going to let you out of here too, but you're not going to be set free. You're going to be hung by the neck until dead. You're going to be executed. Now, that's, that's not good news to the baker. And, you know, on a side note right here, let me just say, a true preacher of God is not a man who stands and tells people what they want to hear. A true preacher of God is the man or the woman of God who stands and tells the people what they need to hear. Thus says the Lord. And so Joseph didn't sugarcoat the interpretation for the baker, even though it was not going to be good news like it was for the butler. Well, the interpretation for both of these dreams came true. The baker was released. He was executed. The butler was released in three days. He was restored to his position. Now, before the butler was released, Joseph told the butler, you're going to be restored to your job in three days. You're going to be released. You're going to get your freedom back. You're going back to work for the king of Egypt. When that happens, please put in a good word for me. Promise me that when you get your freedom, you'll tell Pharaoh, there's a man back there in your jail who's an innocent man. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was lied upon uh, by Potiphar's wife. He's incarcerated for no wrongdoing of his own. He needs to be released. And the butler promised Joseph, I'll remember you when I get out. Well, guess what he did when he got out? The butler forgot all about Joseph. He forgot all about him. I mean, things have turned up for the butler. Things are going good for him. And the furthest thing from his mind was trying to help a prisoner back in the jail, back in the dungeon. Until Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream. 
and he's looking for an interpreter to interpret his dream. Now, if you're going to give the king an interpretation for his dream, you'd better make sure that you're, you've got the interpretation from God, that you're going to be right in your interpretation because you don't want to be wrong when you're giving the king an interpretation for a dream. And so the king couldn't find anybody to interpret his dream. And suddenly the butler has a light bulb moment and he remembers. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, now I remember that guy Joseph back in the jail. He's a dream interpreter. King, I believe that he can tell you what your dream means. And so the king says, go and get Joseph. They go and get Joseph. Joseph comes before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, interprets Pharaoh's dream. And the interpretation is something like this. King of Egypt. Your dream signifies there's going to be some years of plenty coming up that's going to be followed by years of famine. And what we've got to do is we've got to store up food. We've got to store up grain during those first good years. So we've got enough to last us through the famine. Well, the king of Egypt puts Joseph in charge of that. And so I guess you can think of Joseph as being the secretary of agriculture or something along those lines in Egypt. He's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt during this time. The years of plenty come because God's given Joseph wisdom. He stores up the grain in these storehouses. And then sure enough, the years of famine hit. Nobody has any food but Egypt because God gave Joseph the wisdom and discernment to plan for the famine. And so what we end up with is people coming from all over the world <clears throat> looking for food, coming to Egypt. And as they come to Egypt for food, they've got to appear before Joseph because Joseph is the one who's in charge of making sure the food is distributed the way that it should be, that it's sold to those who need it. Maybe he's rationing it out, but he's in control of that. And so it comes to pass that Joseph's own brothers end up making the trip to Egypt in search for food. His brothers don't, don't have any clue that Joseph is still alive. They don't know what happened to their brother. He's been gone for years now. Uh, since they have sold him into slave, slavery. And so as they come to Egypt and they appear before Joseph, their brother, who's in authority now, they don't realize it's Joseph, their brother. Joseph knows exactly who they are, but they don't know who he is. And after a few conversations and a few interchanges there, finally, when you get to Genesis chapter 45, you get to the big reveal where Joseph reveals to his brothers, I am your brother, Joseph. And those guys are scared to death when you get to that point in the story. I tell you, they, they're afraid. Man, oh no, this is Joseph. He's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. He's going to get us. He's going to kill us. He's going to execute us. He's going to give us payback for what we did, the evil that we did against him so long ago in selling him as a slave. And so they're scared to death. But Joseph responds to him. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 45. And Joseph tells him, I forgive you. I don't hold your sin against you. I forgive you. You're my family. You're my brothers. I want you to go home. I want you to get daddy. I want you to bring our servants. I want you to bring the rest of our family here to Egypt. And even though we've got about five more years of this famine left, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your children. I'm going to take care of your children's children. I'm going to take care of your whole family. You have nothing to worry about. You've been forgiven. And so they go and they get Jacob and they get the rest of the family and the servants. They bring them all to Egypt. And then time transpires there and Jacob dies, the father, the patriarch, the father to the brothers and to Joseph. Jacob dies. And as soon as Jacob dies, these brothers are afraid again. In fact, they say in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, let me read this text. 
The Bible says when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. They're afraid they're going to get payback. Now, let me just remind you, Joseph in the Bible is a type of Christ. He's a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today on the authority of the word of God that God's not after you to give you payback. You're, you're not going to get what you deserve. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe what he's already spoken to you, you know, when you accept Christ as your Savior, God makes some promises to you. God gives you his word. And the problem with Joseph's brothers here when daddy dies, when Jacob dies, is they really didn't believe the word that had been given to them. In Genesis 45, when Joseph said, gave him the big reveal, and Joseph said, I forgive you, I'm not holding this against you. They really didn't believe that because as soon as their daddy died, they're afraid. Well, Joseph is going to get us now. Daddy's out of the way. He's certainly going to give us payback now. In fact, the Bible says that they, uh, the brothers in Genesis chapter, uh, in Genesis chapter 50, they send a messenger into the presence of Joseph to tell Joseph, before your daddy died, your daddy wanted us to tell you that you need to forgive your brothers. Now, that was a lie. That was something that the brothers conjured up because they were afraid now that daddy's dead, that uh, Joseph certainly is going to come against them and, and give them payback, give them revenge. I want you to know God's a God who loves you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to restore you. God wants to help you. God wants to bless you. God wants to break those chains that bind you so you're not a drug addict anymore. You're not an alcoholic anymore. You don't have to stay the way that you are. You know, and I'm thankful for all the programs we've got in our society today to help folks recover from addictions of all kinds, these 12-step programs and all these things. But many of these programs, I have a fault with them because many of these programs tell the people, you're always going to be an addict. You're always going to be an alcoholic. You're always going to be the way that you are. That's not a message of hope. That's a message of hopelessness. On the authority of the word of God, God tells me I'm a new creature in him. I've been born again. I get a brand new beginning. Man, my past is in the past. I'm not who I used to be. Are you hearing me? And so now I've been clean for over 30 years. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm not a drug addict anymore. God in his grace has not given me payback. God has given me freedom. He's released me. He's given me his word. Listen. When you trust Christ as your Savior, God gives you a word. God makes some promises to you. His promises are rich. I mean, he says, I forgive you. I love you without conditions. I accept you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. I'm going with you through it. Even when you lose a job. Even when your spouse leaves you, even when your loved one passes away, even when your son or your daughter turns their back on your instruction, even when you fail, even when you have marital problems, even when you make the biggest mess you could ever make in your life and you're laying over there in the ditch because of the consequences of the decisions that you've made, I'm still going to love you. I'm going to come by and I'm going to pick you up out of that ditch. I'm going to brush you off and I'm going to put you back on the straight and narrow. I'm going to put you back into fellowship with me. I'm going to be like a potter with a piece of clay. And when he gets out of shape, I'm not going to chunk it. I'm not going to throw it in the trash. I'm going to take you and I'm going to reshape you. I'm going to remold you. Those are promises that God has made to you. And so let me ask you today, are you believing the word that God's already been spoken? 
Are you believing the promises he's already given you? You know, the problem with Joseph's brothers is they didn't believe the promise that was already given them. Recorded in Genesis 45, when Joseph said, I forgive you. Do you really believe what God's already spoken to you? You know, what are you believing about yourself right now? Are you believing what God says is true about you? Are you believing that you're redeemed, that you're uh, that you're adopted, that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're a child of God? You know what happens to a lot of us? And I'm just going to use a simple word here that I think everybody around the world can understand what it means. Every single one of us in our lives, for whatever reason, we have a lot of junk going on. We have a lot of junk going on in our lives, whether it's stuff that we've invited there because of our decisions or just junk that the world has thrown out at us. We've got a lot of junk going on. And if we're not careful, the enemy will have us believe because of all that junk, we could never be used by God because of all that junk. Things are impossible because of all those things in the past uh, we will never overcome. Listen. It's not the power of positive thinking that's going to see you through the crisis and help you through the difficulties in life. It's not thinking about butterflies and poodles that's going to give you strength. It's resting your faith on what God has already spoken, believing the word of God. And so I just want to encourage you today. Don't be chained by the past. I want you to believe what God has already spoken to you through his word. Walk in that truth. The problem with the brothers of Joseph, when you get to Genesis chapter 50 and the end of this story, the reason they're afraid when their daddy dies is because they really didn't believe the promises that were already had already been made to them. The second thing they didn't understand, they didn't understand grace because they used the phrase, well, now that daddy's dead, Joseph is going to pay us back. God is not after you to pay you back. God wants to forgive you and restore you. God wants to bless you. It's grace. Man, we don't deserve it. It's grace. We cannot earn it. It's grace. It's a gift from God that you simply receive that forgiveness. And I tell you, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I've got new desires now. I don't desire the things I used to desire. I don't want to go back to the places I used to go. I don't want to hang around the people I used to hang around with. I don't want to be engaged in the things I used to do. I've got new desires. And I'll tell you something else I've gotten since I've trusted Christ. I've got new power. I've got a power I didn't have before. I've got a power. I've got the power of God living in me to live the life that God has called me to live in him. And I don't deserve it. It's all by grace. And I'll tell you something else about these brothers. They did not. They would not forgive themselves. They didn't forgive themselves. They wouldn't forgive themselves. You know, who are we not to forgive ourselves when God Almighty has already forgiven us of our sins? I mean, we're not God. Who am I to tell God? Okay, God, I know you've forgiven me of that, that thing that I did in the past, that abortion, those divorces, those crimes, those sins that I committed. Lord, I know you've forgiven me of that, but I'm not going to forgive myself. Who do you think you are? You're not God. If God has forgiven us, who are we not to forgive ourselves? And these brothers, when their daddy dies and they come to Joseph and they, they beg Joseph. I mean, verse 17 of Genesis 50 says they come in to Joseph's presence. They fall down at his feet, which is a fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had long ago, earlier on in the book of Genesis. They come in, they fall down at his feet. And they say, please forgive us. Please forgive us of our trespasses. Well, Genesis 45, they had already been forgiven. They had already been forgiven. And you've already been forgiven. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. Stop holding your sin against yourself. 
These brothers also didn't understand the providence of God, that God is working all things together for our good. In Genesis 50, verse 20, we've got one of the greatest statements in all, in all the Old Testament, probably in all the Bible, where Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and he tells his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me. Joseph is saying, I know what you did against me was evil. It was wicked. You shouldn't have done it. But he goes on, he goes on, and he says, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God's got a purpose in the good, the bad, the ugly. God's got a purpose in whatever we're dealing with and whatever we're the trial that we're walking through, the valley that we're dealing with, the hardship that we're struggling with right now. As believers in Jesus Christ, God's got a purpose in it coming into your life. God's up to something. I'm talking about the sovereignty of God. God's up to something. Much like you take a piece of sandpaper and sand down a piece of rough wood, God's using those trials in our lives to sand down. Anything doesn't look like Jesus, anything doesn't talk like Jesus, anything doesn't think like Jesus, he's getting those out of our lives because he's making us more like Christ. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, my friend, listen, God's using it. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, God's using it for your good and for his glory. You know, the story of Joseph reminds me it's never right to do wrong. It's never right to do wrong. But God is a God who's big enough to take everything we've ever done, even the wrong things we've done in our past, and God's able to transform those things into something positive now. You know, I think about my life now that I've been clean for over 30 years. You know, I've got a ministry, a 501c3 Christ-centered addiction recovery ministry called Life. And now I'm able to minister to people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Uh, and that's a place that I once was over 30 years ago. But now I've been delivered and I've been healed. Who better to help somebody who's struggling under addiction than somebody who's been there and done that? Who better to minister to somebody who's suffered a divorce than somebody who's been there and done that? Are you hearing me? So whatever it is in your past. Whatever it is in your past that you wish was not there, that you wish you could erase, God in his grace is saying, I'll forgive you and I'll take it, I'll transform it, I'll make it a tool in your life that you can use for my glory. <laughs> my friend, it's not hopeless. My friend, God wants to use you. God wants to restore you. God wants you to be his hands and feet. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessed word today. I thank you for the wonderful, encouraging story of Joseph. And Lord, thank you for reminding us today that whatever we're dealing with, you're still on the throne. You're working all these things together for our good and for your glory. We can trust you, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but we can trust you for yesterday, even our past, God. You're able to take it and transform it. Make it a tool in our lives where we can, we can use our past experiences in a godly way now to help other people that are struggling. I pray for every man, woman, young person that's listening to this episode today. I pray you'd encourage them. I pray your Holy Spirit will be upon them right now in a real powerful, personal way. Lord, I just pray that they would receive a special touch from you. I pray if bodies need to be healed, that healed, that you'll bring healing. I pray if minds need to be clarified, that Lord, you'd bring a mental stability, emotional stability, wellness, Lord, to their minds, to their thought processes. If anybody right now listening needs to ask Jesus Christ to come in and be their Savior, I pray they're putting their faith in him right now. I pray they're crying out to you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner going to hell. I'm asking you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new beginning. And I thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name today for that new beginning. Help us to walk in your truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I trust today's episode has been a blessing to you. Don't forget to give us a positive review. Review. Give me an email if you would. Let me hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Love to pray with you about anything you're struggling with. And share the podcast. Please do that. Share the podcast with others that they may benefit from God's word and God's rich teaching that they too may be encouraged. God bless you. I pray that you'll pray for me. I'll be praying for you. We're going to get through this thing called COVID-19 pandemic, and we're going to get through it victoriously. God's still on his throne. He's using all these things together for our good and for his glory. God bless.